Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. The Seahawks have a really, really great opportunity to turn things around, but can they do it in one offseason? Um, we were looking at the Seahawks roster a while ago, comparing it to Philadelphia's, and it's easy to do, right? You look at a team that went to a Super Bowl, had a phenomenal season, 70 sacks in the regular season, blah, blah, blah. And you say, well, how do you become this team? And the answer is that you have like an executive of the year type year from Howie Roseman, a coach of the year type season from Nick Sirianni, an MVP offensive player of the year type season from uh, from Jalen Hurts, and then a million other things have to go right, too. That's the real answer. But let's talk about how they can take a step forward, because when you look at where the two teams have money invested, it reveals that the Seahawks have a lot of talent at skill positions, wide receiver, money invested in safety, but not a lot invested in the trenches. And that's where the game has been won for Philadelphia up until a bad holding call in the final two minutes of play. But let's not focus on that. Let's focus instead on where Seattle can get better. Bump. It starts with spending on offensive and defensive linemen. This is a team that thankfully found two great rookie tackles, but they need so much help up front. And looking at Philadelphia, and for that matter, San Francisco, makes it exceptionally clear. Yeah, the two major investments they have when it comes to the big boys in the trenches are your tackles, your right tackle and left tackle, Charles Cross and Abe Lucas. You look at the free agents. You got Puna Ford as a free agent, D-line. LJ Collier, D-line. Al Woods, D-line as well. Austin Blythe, he's a center. And um, you look at how the Chiefs won that game. Going into the game, we said, look, this Philly defensive line is going to have to get after the Chiefs. You got to hobble Pat Mahomes back there. The box is going to have to win the game. Then you look at the Chiefs and that offensive line it neutralized that um, that defensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles. So you have to start there. Obviously, you need a quarterback. We got to figure out what's going on there. But what gives you the biggest opportunity to either get after a quarterback or hang in there is O-line and D-line. So we, we have to invest more in that position, in those positions. Now look at the interior lineman. I think Damian Lewis, someone described him, <clears throat> excuse me, as average earlier in the show. And I go, okay, you, you need average players on your team. I think he might be a slightly above average, but it's okay if you see him as average. You got three guys on that line who I feel like are going to come back with that offensive line. Defensive line in the interior, I look at the guys who are free agents. I look at the guys who are already on this team, and I say, all right, there isn't anyone on that line that I say, this guy must come back. Now, you can't get rid of everybody and say, okay, let's start all over. But there's no one that put up the type of season or numbers to where you say, this guy has to come back. Are there guys with potential? I don't know. Does LJ have anything left? Um, Shelby is on the older side of things. Al Woods is on the other side of things. I think Puna might be in the wrong scheme. You put him in the right place, I believe, in a, in a Puna Ford. But you're looking at that position and you're saying, okay, it looks nothing like the Philadelphia Eagles. It, it looks nothing like the, the Niners. Now, it takes a while to get there, but those are the teams that you look at because they have that success out there. So what do you have to do? You keep your edge rushers, your outside backers. I like DT. I like Uchinuoso. I still think you add there. I think Boye Mafe has a good future there as well. But you got to go get some big boys in the trenches, starting with that defensive line. Then you shift over to the center position on offense. And that doesn't have to exclusively be in free agency, but it absolutely has to get done. And I think that um, because of the bad taste 
uh, that Russell Wilson left for so many fans. People see Russell Wilson as being like maybe the biggest problem or thing in the way for Seattle when it came to getting back to not just a Super Bowl, but an NFC championship game or heck winning more than like three playoff games. Right. And I don't think that's the case. Um, I think that, you know, for Russell Wilson's faults, his point about this team not being good enough up front with the offensive line stung but wasn't wrong. This is a team that hasn't had stability at center, that's really struggled to find consistency with the interior alignment and with right tackle, and who for the longest time had really left tackle Dwayne Brown as their best player. And that becomes a problem when every year Dwayne Brown gets older and older and older, and every year Dwayne Brown remains your most consistent performer. And it's not to slight Brown, who was uh, a multi-time pro bowler and an all-pro, right? A A phenomenal, phenomenal talent at left tackle. But it is to say that Russell Wilson's point about like, hey, this offensive line could be better was right. And, you know, if you're listening, your comeback might be, well, then Russell Wilson, take less money. Yeah, that's part of it. That's certainly part of it. But also, like, this team has struggled to draft well, frankly, in the trenches. When have they hit on defensive linemen outside of Frank Clark or Jaron Reed? When have they hit on offensive linemen outside of of trading for Dwayne Brown, right? It's been a while. They've done it before, but it's been a while. And that attrition catches up to you. And um, so can they fix it in one offseason to get back to my opening question for you, Bump, and, and listeners? I don't know, but you can take a huge step forward. That No, you can't fix it in a year. Can't do it. Can you get better in a year? I think that you can. And, I, and I'm hoping that they will because they're in a position that they've never been in before. They got the 5, they got the 20, they got 37, uh, 37th pick overall. They're in a position to make some moves. Uh, going back to your point about the offensive line and Russell Wilson, people used to say to Russell Wilson all the time, he just holds the football too long. If he let the football go, then maybe you wouldn't get that many sacks. Who was the third most sacked quarterback in the league this year? Geno Smith. It was Geno Smith. I wouldn't look at Geno and say he holds the football too long. Some people said, look at the second half of the season. He's forcing things in. He's making too many mistakes. So at some point, you got to take what Russell Wilson said and, and forget that he's Russell Wilson and say, okay, maybe he had a point there. And there was never a time where we felt you had five really good offensive linemen, right? In ideal world, you have your pro bowler or two, and then you have the other guys who are good, who understand the system. We've seen Dwayne Brown. Um, we've seen uh, Fluker. We've seen like Fetty. I know Fetty had a lot of penalties. I get it. But Fetty would, would, as Big Ray would say, take you to the water. Yeah. He was dominant when he got and his he hands on And he, he didn't, didn't miss time. And he didn't miss time. And now we have a Lucas and we have Charles Cross, and we'll see what Damian Lewis looks like. It's about finding the right combination. There have been years where there's a guy or two. I mentioned Dwayne Brown. He was a pro bowler. But there just hasn't been the right combination. And it's the offensive line is a tricky position to um, scout, to recruit, to draft, and to analyze as well. Because one guy doesn't do their job, and it's all over. On the outsides, you might have a receiver not get the right depth. You can still find ways to get other guys to football. But that offensive line, my coach used to say, I need a nickel on that offensive line. I don't need five pennies. I need guys moving together, guys who understand. So I think they're moving in that direction because now this is Damian Lewis's fourth year, I want to say he's coming into. Mm-hmm. Might be his fourth year. Um, but they need help. You need to find that group, that nickel that moves together, and you need to produce a pro bowler on that line. 
Uh, from the 509, the line sucked because they went cheap. They paid the quarterback instead. Okay, here's the thing. Paying the quarterback does make things difficult, but this is also a team that passed on drafting Creed Humphrey, who became a pro bowler for the mm-hmm. Chiefs and was probably their best offensive lineman on the second or third best offensive line in football, mm-hmm. right? Like, it is not... I do not want to simplify it as you paid the quarterback so you couldn't improve these other places, not when there were opportunities to do so. So this isn't about harping on Seattle and saying what they should have done. What's done is done. What this is about is about looking forward to this offseason saying, okay, what can you do now? What lessons have been learned? What opportunities are there? What money is there to spend and where? And I think the last part, the answer to that needs to be the trenches. Like, I hate to circle back to it and sound repetitive, but I got to rest on it. All about the trenches. And we gave you some options. You got Bradbury over there, the center with Minnesota. You can look at him. You could uh, pick one of the McGoverns, uh, center for Dallas and for the Jets, and go there. But how do you allocate money? How do you how do you spread that around? And we're all waiting to see what happens with Geno. That is the first domino that needs to fall, and then you start to figure things out. Now, you can sign guys like Nick Ballore and make sure he's good to go. You got Phil Haynes over there. But before you make any major decisions with the O-line and the D-line, you got to figure out what you're going to do a quarterback and what money you have to spend. And if I, in my perfect world, you go out and you acquire a center, and then you draft on the defensive line and you pick up a guy as well. You can only afford to have like one big contract as far as acquisitions for this offseason. Do you spend that on the D-line? I, I would love to. Deron Payne was our pick, but it sounds like he's going to get franchise tagged. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens there. Dalvin Thomason was my other guy. Sounds like they've, uh, they've opened up the window for negotiations there with, uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, but mainly, you need to find guys that fit your system. And I also think that that's not talked about uh, enough. I've had so many people text in. Clint Hurts is done. What's he doing with that defense? All right, we just said you and I that it's not you're not going to fix this offensive line in a year. How are you going to fix this defense in a year? Mm-hmm. It's a two to three year process, in my opinion, and they're in their second year now. Can you accelerate the process? I think you can if you get lucky in the draft. You find guys who can contribute right now, or you get some development. Maybe DT takes another step, Pachina takes another step, um, and you you find a interior lineman that no one's really talking about. It, you got to get lucky in this process. And um, you got to have the right combination of putting money in the right places and getting guys to perform that you're not expecting to perform. I also do want to say that I don't think Philly just did this all miraculously in one offseason. I think they also got great performances from guys they already had. Like, I cannot stress enough the step forward that Jalen Hurts took from 2021 to 2022. And it's not that he was bad in 2021. It's that he became exceptional in 2022. Right. And they also found ways to utilize the best weapons that they had. I mean, that QB sneak conversation we've been having, say what you will about it. They did that and converted 36 of 40 times. They were successful with a quarterback sneak. Mm -hmm. They found something they did well and they hammered it home, right? There's lots of little things outside of just, oh, they went out and got Hassan Reddick in free agency. Like It's so much more complicated than that. But... You can take a big step forward in an offseason. Like, I don't want to make it seem like the Seahawks are years and years and years removed from getting back to a Super Bowl. You could hypothetically, like, is it a stretch bump? Is it a stretch, Curtis, to say that the Seahawks are two to three years removed from being able to compete for a Super Bowl? Is that too much of a stretch? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No. Why isn't it a stretch? Because I agree. But why? let's talk about that. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just tell you names why. Yeah. DK, Lockett, Kenneth Walker, Tariq. Jordan when he's healthy, Jordan Brooks. Yeah. 
Um, Ryan Neal, Quandre, we'll see what happens with him, how long he, he hangs around. I think you have seven to eight players who are going to be here for the long run. It's about plugging in some guys with them to make this possible. And then you need to figure out the quarterback deal. Mm-hmm. Can Gino be the guy that leads you to a Super Bowl? I wouldn't bank on it, but I wouldn't count him out either. I've already counted him out. I'll never do that again. I counted Drew Locke out as well. Yeah. Um, but you got to figure that position out too. And if it is within two to three years, it's probably going to be Gino or a quarterback that you draft or acquire this offseason. They also have some important names to note within the conference in like Dak, Jalen, right? Uh Kyler, like who's standing in your way? If you're in the AFC and you're the Chargers, you're like, okay, not only do you have to get past uh, Patrick Mahomes and let's see what Russell Wilson becomes and let's see who's going to be with the Raiders, you also have to get past, uh, you know, Joe Burrow and you also have to get past Mm -hmm. Josh Allen and the Bills. You also have to get past all these other weapons, right? Like you have a million hurdles to, to try to cross over there in the AFC. In the NFC, you don't. You don't. You do have one of the best overall teams in your division. So you're going to see what you you're two made of. You the most complete teams in football, but, yeah, but, but one of them doesn't have division. a quarterback with a functioning elbow. Yeah, and we'll see what happens there. If it's just a repair, then I expect him to be fine. I expect him to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers next year. We're talking about Brock Purdy. But this is the easiest way to create a path to get to the um, the Super Bowl is one, be the number one seed to win your division and you set yourself up. When you get into the playoffs the way that the Seahawks got into the playoffs and the road is just going to be tough, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's a reason why Pat Mahomes has a lot of success. One, he's just that dude. He's got that talent. Two, my man's ain't never played a playoff game outside of Arrowhead. He's at home every single game and that means something. And so that's where it starts. You take care of home, you build a team, you take care of the division and then you just start to see how you progress. So, um, and, and and it's Gino, man. How much? How much better if? Okay, let's let me ask you a question. If if Gino duplicates the performance that he had this year, what two moves need to happen on defense for them to to start looking like a contenders? Because I feel like mm-hmm. the defense needs the most work. I feel like you feel the same way. What what two moves need to be made to where you look at these guys as legit contenders? Add a linebacker. Add a defensive tackle. Would it? Yeah. Yep. And outside of that, I would say Jamal comes back healthy. I actually, their passing defense uh, improved, and I should give them credit for this, from like 31 to, I want to say like 17 or 15 or something like that. They mm-hmm. were like middle-of-the-road passing defense. That was a big step forward. I want to give them credit with that, so I don't think that getting Jamal back is the single most important thing you can do. But it's why I kind of resent the argument of, oh, well, Gino gave you a 500 season. Did Gino give you the, a 500 season? Did, did the offense give you a 500 season? Or did a very incomplete team give you a 500 season? Like the passing offense particularly was the best and most consistent part of your team all year long. I, when you start pointing to issues why this team fell apart, you start on the defensive side of the ball. It doesn't mean that the offense is immune. It doesn't mean that you don't point fingers there. It doesn't mean that you don't look at the interior of the line and, and Gino fumbling or interceptions and the team fumbling as a whole. It does mean, though, that you look at that side of the ball, the offense, and say you have more to work with here. Offense improved. Yeah. Gino, records. 1,000-yard yeah. rusher, 2,000-yard receivers. Let's get it. All right. Let's get, speaking <laughs> of, let's get to four-down territory. This, this is four-down territory. Going inside the game with former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. First down, my guy. 
Aaron Jones. I don't know why I just is love your him. Guy? He's, He's on my your fantasy guy. Team? He's been on my fantasy team for two years in a row. Help me out. Uh, Aaron Jones took a pay cut. I don't know if it was a good idea, but you think it was. Why? It was a good idea, idea for him. Like you look at it at first glance, you see five million dollar pay cut from sixteen to eleven million dollars. Then a lot of his extra money is based on how many games he plays. He's going to get an extra fifty-two thousand for every game that he played. That's up from his other contract, twenty-three thousand. But this is why it's a good move for him. He's near the end of his career, and at the end of your career. He's supposedly near the end of his career. Seven years in the league as a running back. Typically, you start hitting your 30s, you slow down a bit, you bounce around, maybe you're out. He's towards the end of his career. When he had that $16 million contract, none of that was guaranteed. All right, now with the reduced contract, he has 8.1. That's fully guaranteed. You write your name right here. Boom, you get that check. So now if the Packers do decide to go young at the running back position, they go on draft and maybe they're transitioning towards a young, a younger man, he still has that $8 million in the pocket. It's all about security and peace of mind for Aaron Jones, right? He's already put together a nice little career. Um, he probably loves Green Bay and doesn't want to bounce around. So I think this is a perfect example of a player who understands who he is and where he is in his career. So sign in $8 million, you secure the bag. You might even put together another decent year. Put together another decent year. You get more money next year. There's a lot of incentives in this thing. I uh, I appreciate Aaron Jones because this is a very mature decision for him to make, and it helps out Green Bay. Second down. The Seahawks yesterday confirmed they'd re-sign Phil Haynes to a one-year deal. Today they confirmed they brought back special teams captain Nick Ballore. Why is this a good move? It's a good move, and when you look at the numbers, the numbers lie when it comes to Nick Ballore. We always say numbers don't uh, lie. Yeah, only they men and lie. women lie. Only men and women. Children especially, too, yeah. especially well, when you catch him eating candy liar, at 10.30. And you know fire. he's supposed to be in the bed. Yeah. <laughs> but he has 352 snaps on special teams last year. That's 81%, over 3,000 snaps over his career. Only had nine snaps on defense, 17 snaps on offense. You look at those numbers, and you say, okay, why is it important? Because he is a glue guy. He's an 11-year veteran. He knows how to be professional. He knows how to prepare, or he wouldn't be in this league that long. Also, Pete Carroll likes this dude. When you talk to Nick Ballore, um, there's a seriousness about him. There's a playfulness about him. If you're in this league 11 years, he's the type of guy that can kind of mentor these young guys, bring them along. And where do a lot of your young guys get a bulk of their snaps? Special On teams. special teams. He's a special teams captain. So you might look at this signing and say, oh, what's the big deal? All right, if you want to play big boy football, you still have a fullback. We've seen this guy play linebacker if a couple guys go down. And he's a leader on special teams. You're getting him for the low. He's a good leader out there. He is a Seahawk kind of guy. Eastern Washington uh, College, I got an EKG, Eastern kind of guy. Mm-hmm. All right, he's a Seahawk kind of guy. Pete Carroll loves this dude. He brings that to the team. Can I tell you what I want more than anything in the entire world? And if I got three wishes for 2022, one of them would be this. What's that? That Nick Ballore has to play a snap on defense and gets a pick six. I don't know why I, like I wanted that. it. Last year, I wanted Puna Ford to get it, but I think this year I'm going Nick Ballore. I'm going to be rooting for it every game. How about it, Kerry? My buddy Jed Collins, I played um, Washington State with him. He's one of the last fullbacks to be in the league. Yeah. He played for like eight years. Shout out fullbacks. In Dying one breed. game, he played offense, defense, and special teams. Okay, and made plays on all of them. I do want that. Yeah. I take it back. I want that. <laughs> Deion Sanders move, but it's Nick Ballore. Fourth down. NFL.com graded the NFC West rookie class. How are you feeling about it? I'm feeling good about it. We had a couple D grades in there, a B grade by the 49ers, then an A minus grade 
for the Seattle Seahawks, and I think that's appropriate, man. You got so much production out of this group, and it just makes you believe that they're moving in the right direction. The good teams, they draft well, and then they pick up some guys on the side during the offseason. They've done one part. They see if they can go back-to-back as far as drafting well. I think you and I decided on if you get three guys to hit in this draft, that's a pretty good draft. Hopefully it's picked 5, 20, and 37. That would be ideal. Uh, But you just have to keep adding to what you've established. Now for these rookies is how do you – how do you come back from this? Tariq Woolen, how do you stay hungry? Kobe Bryant, how do you how do you get better working in that slot? Boye Mafe, how do you grow from your three sacks? I need like five or six out of you. So these guys got to take these necessary steps. They need to draft well behind them. But when you get a draft grade of A-, minus, I thought it was going to be a, a flat A, but I'll take A-. minus. You're doing something right. It's about building off of this, and it starts with drafting. Let's get it. Is there a t- tiny part of you that worries that what we saw from Woolen was too good to be true and there may be regression in year two? Nah, only way there's a regression is if they stop throwing to him. Then what'd you see in year, not to interrupt, but what'd you see in year one that made you think there won't be? Uh, Because he was making plays and he wasn't technically that sound. He was just a raw athlete. If you look at Sauce Gardner, Sauce is the better corner when it comes to technique. Now, when it comes to playmaking, I'll take Tariq all day because he's long and he's fast. Once he gets tightened up, he gets with the right dude during this offseason, man, true. Hey, Marcus Trufant, man, go go get your boy Tariq and then work with him, and he could be really something special. Where were some of those technical issues? Um, It's just recognizing recognizing route combinations it's little things like your arms at the top of your break when you're getting downhill it's feet positioning you know yeah. what i'm saying it's it's responding to things it's just if you look at it if you don't know what you're looking at you're gonna look at Tariq and say what are you talking about bump like he's ready to go but there are things in the nfl that you can do because the margin for error is so slim especially at that corner position yeah. if you can get in front of things you can recognize things you can get just a little faster with your twitch then things gonna happen i wonder if it was one of those things where it's like uh nine out of ten corners would be too slow and it would be a completion, but because he's so fast, he can make up for not quickly diagnosing something. Or Not that he was doing that, but yeah. like, um, you know, not having exactly the right footwork to put himself in the right place, he was fast enough to make up the difference. Like that yeah. kind of thing. He's raw. He's raw. That's what I like about him. I actually, I'm surprised how good I feel about the secondary heading into camp. Like, think of where we were last season when it was like, who's going to be your cornerback? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? I, you have no one. DJ Reed's moving on, and he was the only corner to even get an interception for you. I think he finished the year with two. Two. Um, and it, you just had no idea who it was going to be, and now we're heading in, and I'm thinking, you know, you get Jamal healthy, you know, it could be great. And it's also important for that to happen because when we were talking about investing in the trenches, the money they have invested, $18 million per to either starting safety. You need all pro seasons from those guys. If, though, if the two most... If the four highest paid players on your team outside of quarterback right now, which quarterback is not included, are your two wide receivers and your two starting safeties, they need to be four of the best players on your team. Yeah. You get get paid. Yeah. You got to play. And I'm not talking like, oh, you know, Tyler got a thousand yards. I'm talking like they are like that is one of the that is a top five receiver duo or Mm -hmm. like. Those two safeties both had Pro Bowl seasons. One of them was an All-Pro. Because that's what we were talking about when we were talking about the Chiefs. The Chiefs, you look at their top five players, you're going to find MVP, Defensive Player of the Year nominee, uh, second leading uh, player in um, single season uh, receiving touchdowns, right? Like, you're going to find all those records and all those accomplishments and accolades there. 
Got to get that going for Seattle. So I'm excited to see Jamal back here in this system specifically. Uh, All right, two things. Number one, we need your questions for what I need to know. That's coming up at 45 after. Send your question, any question you have, to 866-979-3776. Again, 866-979-3776. Let's get to what's on tap. It's What's on Tap with Bump and Stacy, brought to you by Dick's Drive-In. So, folks, what's on the tap? The Kraken are back at it tomorrow, taking on the Bruins. That game at 7 p.m., and that's What's on Tap, brought to you by Dick's Drive-In. Coming up next, great interview with Marco Gonzalez. We're going to ask him about a new pitch he's incorporating. Don't go anywhere. Bump and Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. I've been told he's in the best shape of his life. We'll ask him if that's true. Marco Gonzalez, Mariners starter, joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Marco, how's it going? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. We're excited to have you on. We have talked with Shannon Dreyer. We've talked with Ryan Divish, and both of them have told us, you know who looks great at camp right now? Marco. Uh, Marco, <laughs> how, are, how are you feeling? We've heard you're, you're looking great. You're feeling great. I mean, tell us a bit about your offseason. Well, I, I paid those guys off to say that. So I that's, figure. I'm glad that uh, my payment went through. <laughs> they really, really committed um, to the bit. You'd be happy. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've been feeling great. Um, you know, I just... Uh, I really took it upon myself this off season to just, you know, make no excuses um, and make it an everyday thing, and uh, and just get get in the gym and and see how good of a shape I can get in. Um, you know, I think with the point that we're at, um, we're hungry, and last year was just a taste, and you know, we're we're ready to just make this a yearly thing. So why not, you know, go full fledged and and just uh, see what I can do. Marco, what was that that like during the offseason? Did you feel something in your body that you felt you needed to make a change? Did you rely on your trainers? What was that, that whole approach like this offseason to kind of uh, change your body to what it is now? I mean, honestly, the biggest thing for me, the biggest motivator is my family. Um, we're, we're expecting another baby in April. And, um, you know, for, for me, I mean, time with my family offseason is precious. And uh, I was getting up, you know, 5, 6 a.m., um, before my daughter woke up and trying to get an hour lift in and then spending time with her in the morning, making breakfast and then come nap time, get another workout in and go throw and do what I need to do and just not waste any awake time with my daughter um, and my wife. And um, it just became a routine, a habit, you know, and um, I've always eaten really clean. My wife is a, uh, a clinical nutritionist getting her master's degree. And so she's, she's as healthy as it gets in the kitchen. And so we just really tag team this thing and um, you know, I've just, I've just been busted by ass. Did you, that's awesome. Did you go to her and say like, Hey, you know, babe, I've been thinking I'm uh, I really want to lean into this or, or is it something you were always doing? Cause I'd imagine that if, if my spouse was like kind of into my job, but then suddenly was like, Hey, can you show me what to do? I would be so excited. Like, was it kind of <laughs> like that where she was like, I've been waiting for you to ask me this Marco. <laughs> I mean, I'm not too hard, difficult of a client for her. I mean, <laughs> I, I love to be clean as well. I, I'd like to say I'm, I'm her best client. That's good. Um, but no, I mean, we, uh, you know, I, I, every day I'm, I'm picking her brain and, and uh, trying to figure out what I can do to, to, to eat more clean, to, to just be healthy as a person. And we really leaned into that. So it, it was a good off season. Hey, man, we're hearing everybody's adding a pitch, you know, you and the rest of the guys, you guys all sit around and say, look, this is what I'm adding this year. What are you adding? And then how has that process been? What was the decision making like? And and what is it like to to add a pitch and, and kind of add some to your game? Yeah, um, for me this year, it, it's a slider. Um, it's It's been a pitch that I've unintentionally thrown in the past, just 
tried to make my cutter a little bit bigger, um, a little more sweep to it. But this year, um, I've given it its own its own time, its own uh, dedicated space, and um, you know, tried to just add a little add a, add a different weapon to my arsenal. Um, it's something I've toyed with in the past, but um, just being more intentional with it this year, and um, it feels like it's coming out great. The the numbers behind it are are, uh, are good. And, uh, and it's, it's different than the curveball or cutter. So I'm um, going to roll with that and, and see how it goes. And um, that's just part of being a part of this group. You know, the, the starters are really close in this team. And um, I've been fortunate to help, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, foster this culture of, uh, of learning and growing and, and, and iron sharpens iron and all of that. And um, we've just taken things from one another. I mean, we, we've learned, you know, George learned a sinker. Um, you know, Robbie had a sinker. Uh, I, I've built a slider now, you know, with the help of these guys. And so um, that doesn't happen without this group um, and their support and, um, you know, some of the best in the world at what they do. I'm just fortunate enough to be a part of it. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, what's it like behind the scenes? I know there are plenty of listeners that are curious about that part of it. Like, do you just go up and like, yeah. hey, Pete, so I was thinking slider or is there, is there like a conversation <laughs> that happens? Is there I mean, there's I, I have no concept, Marco, of what this looks yeah. like for you guys. Could you walk us through it? Yeah, I mean, it, so for me with the slider, um, just it, it was a matter of, you know, I know I can do it. I know I can yeah. do just about anything with a baseball. Um, but for me, you know, health is first and foremost. So making sure that I'm throwing it in a good position, making sure that, you know, my finger pressure is right. I don't want to hurt myself trying something new, um, or, or trying to complicate things when it's already working for me. So, um, you know, it was a conversation that I had, you know, with pitching coaches, but, um, my dad is also my, my, my pitching coach. Um, he, he was a triple A coach at the Rockies. He, he was a left-handed pitcher back in the day. And, um, I got him in my corner too. So, um, you know, I have some pretty good minds that help me out. So it's been a, a group group project for sure. What's the feedback like for a pitcher who's uh, making an adjustment in his game? You know, I've talked to uh, to batters and there's video and angles and all this stuff that and this data that they get. What's the type of data that, that you get during spring training, especially when you're making a change? Yeah, I think, you know, first and foremost, making sure everything looks consistent. You know, you're not throwing a bunch of different random pitches up there. Everything has consistent shape, consistent velo, consistent spin. Um, release, you know, all, all these different things that they can give you. Um, once that, once you set that stage, um, it's really just about maintaining, you know, trying to optimize certain things. Um, you're not trying to make overhaul adjustments at this point of the year. You know, that happens early in the off season. And, um, you know, for me, simpler is better. So for me, if you, if you tell me one thing to work on, um, I can know I can get it done. So little adjustments at a time, you know, create big changes. So, uh, I'm a big believer in, in just getting better each and every day and, and taking that into the bullpens and then um, applying it into, the, into these spring training games where, you know, you can really get the work in. Hey, let's get a, a vibe check just on the general outlook of this Mariners team, Marco. I mean, are the vibes immaculate? Sure. Are, are, are they hungry? Are they good? I mean, <laughs> what, what, what's the vibes? Uh, what are the vibes out there at spring training right now for you guys? The vibes are positive. Um, just really, really charismatic team. Um, we have such a good culture here. We're just building on it from, you know, I think the past two, three years, we've really built a really good foundation here. Um, and we're just adding to it, adding guys like Colton Wong, um, AJ Pollock, um, you know, guys like that that have been around and, and done it and, and want to buy into something special here. Um, that's the best thing to hear is these free agents that come here and they say, we've been wanting to join this team. We've seen what you guys have been doing we want to be a part of it. This is, this is where we see ourselves fitting. And to me, that's the biggest compliment that other teams are watching us saying, I want to be a part of that. I see how you guys' culture is and, and that looks like fun. And, and it's, it's true, but we're, we're hungry at the same time. You know, last year just wasn't enough. Um, it seems like it left, left a bitter taste in all of our mouths and, and we're out for blood this year, out for redemption. 
Tell me about some young arms. I mean, there are a lot of guys that you see out there who aren't going to be on the opening day roster who maybe have a few years before they get an opportunity. Is there somebody who uh, just impresses you with their approach, with their execution so far? Any, any names? Um, you know, I spent some time around Emerson Hancock. Um, he's one name that comes to mind. Um, just been around him. And um, I, first off, with me, it's about energy, it's about attitude, um, composure. And, uh, you know, early signs, he's, he seems like a great kid and, and really is hungry and, and wants to learn, um, is humble. And, and I think that's a good start for him. And um, not to mention he's talented. So, you know, I think he's got a bright future ahead. And, um, you know, there's many other there's many others in there. We're going to see a lot of George Kirby, Logan Gilbert's coming through, I believe. So um, we're, we're very talented, very deep farm system. Hey, I wanted to talk about uh, Kirby and and Logan for for just one moment. What do you think the next step is for for either of those guys? You know them so well. I think the next step is is uh, is being a top tier arm in this league um, and believing in themselves. You know, they they both have the talent, they both have you know the ability. So um, for them, it's just taking it to the next level, um, making thirty plus starts a year, two hundred innings. Um, you know, staying healthy. Uh, you know, first and foremost, above everything, those those guys. Um, they're young. They need to take care of their arms, their bodies. Um, so I have no doubt, you know, those guys are hard workers, so they'll do great. What have you seen out of Teoscar Hernandez so far? We interviewed him. He seemed like a, a calm, focused guy, but he gave me the, the vibe that he fit right in with your culture over there and what you guys are trying to do. Yes, yes. He, he's one of the guys that I spoke about, you know, really eager to join this team and been watching us, unfortunately, was on the wrong end of a, of a loss. Uh, last year and uh, and he's been really excited to be here and very calm very collected and uh, I know from firsthand he's a tough at bat so uh, I'm excited to have him on our side. Hey just got a minute left here with you Marco and uh, we'd be remiss if we did not ask you about your Gonzaga Bulldogs. Um, Sure. I mean first of all the season so far what do you make of it and also wondering if you could chime in on a debate we were having about whether or not Gonzaga would ever join the Pac-12. Would you want Gonzaga to? I know. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, first off, you know, um, a little bit underwhelming season, um, you know, especially after being a number one last sure. year. And it feels like every year we come in as the top dog. And, um, you know, maybe that's good for us. Maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need to come in at like an eight, nine seed um, and kind of work our way in March. Uh, maybe that'd be good. Um, but as for the as far as the Pac-12, I mean, I, I would love it. Um, I think the, the school would be a great fit. Uh, I know our for our baseball team, um, we, we've been climbing the ranks. We've uh, We've steadily become one of the one of the best, uh, most improved uh, college programs in in the country. So um, you know, not just basketball, but we're, be on the lookout for that baseball team. They're pretty good too. Yeah, no kidding. All right, he is Marco Gonzalez, Mariner starter, kind enough to join us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline from the Peoria Sports Complex. Marco, thanks so much for taking the time, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, Marco. All right, it's a pleasure. Thank you. All right, wrapping things up with what I need to know. Get your questions in now. Any question you have, text it now to the Mac and Jack's text line, 866-979-3776. That's next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Oh, shout out Steve Rabel. Rabe's kind enough to pop in here, say hi to us. Love that guy. All right. It's What I Need to Know, brought to you by All Red Heating, Cooling, Electric. Get your questions in now to the Mac and Jack's text line, 866-979-3776. Here we go. What I Need to Know. If I were hosting a game, say, I'm doing a radio edit, for the Bump and Stacy show tomorrow, and each time you say a specific word, I drink or 
whatever. Uh, I need a word for each of you that you lose that you use a lot. Me is them thanks. Yeah, Curtis. Curtis's would be look. Yeah, look. Yeah. And mine would be um, either the thing is or some. I do some kind of setup thing that people always point out. I forget what it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's something like the thing I is hear it right. right now. I, what is it? I forget what it is. Someone will know. Some, it'll be something I say all the time way too now much. Now we're going to get a million texts. Oh, I'm going to get people just constantly. <laughs> Stacey, say this way too much. I think it's the thing is, I don't the know. The worst is finding out about something you say a lot and you have no you idea that it. you no, and you have no idea that you say that a lot. Oh, and yeah. then now that it's in your head, yeah. then you hear it yes. all the time and it's like, "Dang it. That's I like, do say that all the time." <laughs> the first time someone told me I say pit instead of put, for like, hey, yeah. can you put that on the table? You say, I uh, never har-bow. heard it until Harbow. I have a really hard time har-bow. with Harbaugh. Harbaugh. Okay. <laughs> what I need to know. Any chance the Hawks signed free agent defensive tackle Javon Hargrave from the Eagles? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a chance. They're going to, they should have a conversation. I'm sure they are. But uh, yeah, anything is possible, as uh, Kevin Garnett said. After anything beat my is Lakers. possible. Uh, what I need to know, would you make the trade for Justin Fields? What am I trading? Fifth round, probably uh, give it up multiple first rounders. Nah, not doing it. Not doing it. How good is Justin Fields with what they bad defense? Yeah. Mm. Well, were you're exactly what you saw this year. Exactly. Just, he's going to be in a better offense with better weapons. He didn't have anyone to throw to. Uh, still need a defense though, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, what I need to know. If you have to pick between Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase to join your team, who are you taking? Right now, the way it's configured, I'm going uh, Jamar. I'm going Jamar. Over Justin Jefferson? Oh, Justin Jefferson. I was thinking Justin Fields in my head. Oh, okay. No, Justin Jefferson for sure. Why Justin Jefferson over my Jamar, bad. even though I agree? Uh, Justin Jefferson has better routes, uh, and he's taller and longer, and he is the best receiver in the league. Yeah. Oh, I think someone's saying I say this. You know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I, can, yeah. I can hear that. I can hear that. What I need to know, my wife and I are hosting a game night with three other couples this weekend looking for recommendations on a cool, fun game to play. What's that game with the phone you put on your, your forehead? Oh, heads up. Flip it up. Yeah, heads up is heads really, up. really fun. Yeah. Uh, what's the one with the catchphrase? That's a good one. Where it's yeah. the yes. it's the little like circle thing and you press it and it... Yeah, yeah. You can't say the word. Yeah. You're trying to get everybody to guess. That's a good one. Have you guys ever played Fishbowl? No. What's it's, that? Okay, so you have everyone in the group writes their own submissions. So you write anything you want that you would be able to feasibly like act out in charades or um, uh, the one where you can talk and not just act it out. So it would be like Kim Kardashian, Shaq. Uh, the Lakers, things that are famous mm-hmm. that you could act out. But sometimes if you're with a group of friends, you can write out, you know, like someone in the group, like for fun. You put all those pieces of paper, everyone writes down like two or three. You put all of them in a fish, in a bowl, and then you split into two teams and you draw out a word. And the first round is that you just get people to guess it. So I would say really famous group of sisters from this really famous rich family in Calabasas. And the Brontes. And, <laughs> exactly. And you would say the Kardashians. Oh. Yeah. And, uh, and then the second round is just acting it out. But we already know what words are in there. So you're like guessing oh. quicker. And then the third round is you only say one word. That's so like, I would say like Kanye. That's like charades on another level it's right there. It's really fun. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, uh, cards Against Humanity is good. Someone said, sounds terrible, Stacey. Zero out of ten. It's fun. Isn't that it's Cards fun. Against Humanity? That's like the real serious it, one? No, it can get kind of inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be around the right crowd. If it's uh, if it's people you aren't willing to like say some pretty yeah off color things yeah. around. If you don't then, know who you're around, don't play yeah, that game. Don't, yeah, don't play it around like your parents. Or oh, like someone that. said code names. Code names is great. Uh, what I need to know: Could you run back at a kickoff in the XFL? No. Kickoff. No. 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 Adding the XFL doesn't make me more likely to do it. You know what? My my wife gassed me know. up. She goes, you can go out there and play right now. Oh. You trained for eight months. You could do it. I go, I love you so much, babe. But nah, these knees and that back. 206 with another good recommendation, Jackbox. I've played it uh, at my brother-in-law's house. It's an app that you can download, I think, on any sort of like smart TV or Apple TV. And it's got like four or five games already in it. And they're all very fun. It's a... It, you don't have to think too hard. To play. It's good stuff. From the 253, if animals could talk, which animal would be the rudest? Cats. I don't think so. I think so. I think it would be... They'll look you in the eye and push a lamp over. I think it would be it. like a bird, like crows or pigeons. Me and my wife were on the reels last night Peace. looking at these animals. Kangaroos are rude as heck. Yeah, and really Kangaroos. violent. Yeah. And aggressive. Like, what? And buff. What? You ugly. What? Yeah. What you gonna do? Yeah, and then you come forward to kick you. <laughs> I think that, I think cats are friendlier than we think. I think cats are just unenergetic yeah. things. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all it is. Uh, what I need to know, um, do you have any secret talents? Oh, I like our next question. No, I do not. If you want to pass Secret over talents, this. Nah. Uh, yeah, no. I don't think I do. What I need to know, I could lie about it, make it a secret. <laughs> yeah, I'm a great singer. What I need to know, which Seahawks rookie will have the best sophomore year? Mmm. K9. Let's go. I'd love 1,300 that. 1,300 yards on the ground, 14 touchdowns. Okay, I'm going to not do K9 then. And I'm going to say, why not? I'll say Tariq. I'll say he, I'll say that he, uh, he becomes more technically sound okay. now with a year under his belt. I would love that. Maybe not as many interceptions. That's going to be hard to do again, but mm-hmm. maybe he adds those passes defended uh, tally. Ooh, that's all you Apparently need. that's what you need. Some PDs. All right, you guys. That'll do it for us. For Michael Bumpus, for Curtis Rogers, I'm Stacey Ross. Don't go anywhere. Why me and Bobo? <laughs> Coming up next. Wyman and Bob. Every afternoon at 2. Shohei Otani could fetch a free agent contract in the neighborhood of $500 million. We'll see what his year is like, but if it's anything like the past couple years, I don't know that that number's that outrageous. Can you imagine him and Julio on the same oh, team? Imagine him, Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby. It'd be 